if I really need it, I'll disconnect for a full day or even two. Yeah. Um, you know, don't check my email. Don't don't check social media. Just go off grid. Um, getting outside is another big part for me. Um, even if it's just you know a half hour walk through one of the local trails, just being outside and um, sleep. <laughs> oh, sleep. In a world of store-bought items and a world that seems to never slow down, we make with our hands and tools. Here at Woolen Spinning Radio, we take a moment to breathe, to chat, to reflect. As the world continues in a whirlwind around us, we sit quietly at our spinning wheels with our knitting needles or on our looms. The gentle motion of twisting a spindle, watching it dropping slowly to the ground, or the click-clack of needles tapping against each other as we turn a heel, brings solace and comfort. We make with our hands because we love the process and value our handmade items. While they are never perfect, our yarns might be gently thick and thin or just plain over-twisted. In this place, we discuss what it means to be a maker, to use our hands. Join us as I chat with others in our community about these ideas, challenges, and rewards. Thank you for your time spent here in this place. You are always welcome. Welcome to Woolen Spinning Radio. This is episode 58, and we're recording this at the end of July. And so this will go live in just a couple of days, actually. And I'm here with Eve and Katrina. We decided to hop on Zoom, uh, have a little chat, have a bit of a catch-up. And um, yeah, welcome to both of you. Hello. It's good to hear you guys. Um, So Katrina, you've just spent a bunch of time away. And you were, you were resting and recouping and relaxing. I think you did some hiking and some reading and some spinning. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that time and why you did it and what, what was important about that time for you? Well, <laughs> um, basically, I rented myself a tiny little cabin in the middle of nowhere. Well, not in the middle of nowhere. It was It was in Hope. So... It's about an hour and a half from our place. And um, yeah, I took eight days, left the kids at home with my husband and just went and spent time knitting and spinning and sewing and... Did you take your sewing machine? I did. Cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I just loaded up the car. <laughs> it, it looked a little ridiculous for one person going away. But, um, yeah, I just loaded up the car with all the stuff that I wanted. And I'd rented a bunch of movies from the library and was going to just veg and watch movies, but discovered that they didn't have a DVD player. <laughs> so <laughs> all my movies were, were for naught, um, which is fine. But uh, they had Netflix, so I found something to watch on Netflix, and I just disconnected from everything. I turned all the notifications off on my phone, and um, I said I could check email once a day just so that I could respond to people if they needed something urgently. And so I did. I would check my email once a day, respond to those messages, and anything that came in after that got dealt with the next day. And um, basically, I'd said to Eric, like, I haven't taken, like, I've taken a couple of weekends here or there to, to go away with friends or, or different things like that. But I haven't taken time away by myself since before we had kids. And How old are you with kids? 11 and almost nine. So it's been, it's been a really long time. It's been over a decade. (laughs) Like when you say it like that, it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. significant. It's a significant amount of time. And, you know, it was one of those things where we're getting away was just, it was just needed. It was needed to decompress and recharge and 
be alone and to think about things and and to journal and to read what I wanted and to sleep when I wanted and to to just do and um, not have to worry about somebody else's schedule or feeding the kids or making sure laundry was done or any of those things that you have as responsibilities when you're a mom and then on top of that running a business it's um, and running a business from home it becomes really hard to decompress at the end of the day because all of those things that didn't get finished are still sitting there staring at you it's not like they go away and so removing myself from home was the easiest way to be able to disconnect from it yeah and we had we had a trip planned for may to go to scotland but obviously with covid that didn't happen and so i had been really looking forward to that as a break from from work and the pressures of what was going on and so i just said to eric i said i just need to take take this time and and just go so I did. Yeah. Do you feel better for it? I do. It was definitely really good to be away, to, to be on my own, to think about the things that, that never get to have time at the surface, as it were. Um, finish up some writing, you know, just stuff that is really hard to do when you're interrupted every five minutes. And as much as I love my kids and I love my family, it was nice to have a break. Yeah. I yeah. think you've got, to, you've got to take time for yourself and just, like, put yourself. Because the thing is, is that um, being a white, like, I'm speculating here. I'm single. I have no kids. Um, but, like, being a wife, being a mother, you've got someone else's... Um, wants and needs prioritized above your own sometimes and it's time just to put yourself first and just say I'm gonna do what I want to do I'm gonna read when I want to and and just you know it's like a big sigh like a big you know it is because you know as for me like I have a really great relationship with Eric and he is super supportive and there's nothing that I would change about the way our relationship works. And my kids are fantastic and they're super helpful and lovely, wonderful little beings, but their needs do come at the expense of mine sometime. And so being able to, to take that time away and, completely disconnect from everything was was really good I think also it gives like if you as a mother are like the primary caregiver to your kids it gives Eric more of an insight as to just how much you do <laughs> it does um Eric is is very involved but you know uh for him Usually he leaves for work at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning and he gets home at like 6.30 at night. And so he doesn't see the day to day. And, you know, he's, he's really involved and he spends lots of time with the girls and, you know, he does lots in the house and, and, um, but, you know, and he's, he's done a lot since, since COVID hit because he's not going into work. He's working from home. Um, and so when the kids were home from school, he was doing a lot of the teaching for them, which was fantastic because it was super busy for me and I didn't have the time to spend on, on their schooling. Um, but yeah, it gives him a different perspective for sure to, to have to be 100% on for, for that length of time yeah. and to not have the break and to not have somebody to, to pick up any of the slack. Yeah, because you're on from, from when the kids get up in the morning until like bedtime, until they go to sleep. And it's mm -hmm. very different when you've got that partner who's maybe coming home from work to take over or vice versa. Um, whereas when like 
why can I find this like when I'm working because he is on from the time that the kids are up all the way through until bedtime because I don't get back until after they're asleep and right from day one when I went back after Matt leave both times it was a big eye-opener to him like how intense the days are they're long you know the days are long and the weeks and the months and the years are short because they just go like that but the day is long and it's intense it is and I think often as women we just take and take and take like take on more and more and more and we don't realize how much we've taken on until, until we're looking at it going I can't do this anymore there's this new phenomenon with women in our age group sort of like from from like early 30s through to like late 50s of these like women having these like quite substantial like midlife crises mm -hmm. and um i was listening to uh there's a new book that's just been written i'm, I'm waiting for my copy because it's um, still pre-order um but my sister-in-law and i've been going back and forth um because one of the things um that she talks about is this idea that men when they have a midlife crisis and it's not right or wrong it's just different they get the 20 year old girlfriend and they get the the sports car and they start going to the gym and they you know um leave their families and they go off and have this like very kind of certain lifestyle mm -hmm. women put their head down and keep going and Meanwhile, under the surface, there's all this resentment brewing and all of this anger um, and stress and anxiety and tension. And um, that's what the book is about and, and about like, you know, most women, by the time they hit their late 30s, they're in perimenopause, but they don't know. So their hormones are like this, you know, going up and down and um, any unhappiness that they've had in their life up to that point kind of almost culminates. But they don't rock the boat they just keep on going and just try to keep giving more and more and more to try to compensate because if i do more and i give more maybe that'll fix it it's really interesting you can see it you you can definitely see it and and i'm definitely guilty of that in terms of um you know well i'll just get up earlier and i'll do more tomorrow and I'll stay and, up later, right? And I'll stay up later and I'll get up earlier and I'll scrimp on sleep to try and get everything on my list done. And then you get to a point where you just, you physically can't do that anymore. And your body shuts down. Totally. But then I, I wonder like, you know, then people are like, well, you need to ask for help. But it's like, well, what does that really look like? I'm not really sure. Well, and how do you delegate things that aren't necessarily easy to delegate? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the tricky part I think is, um, you know, you look at our parents' generation for instance, and they were sort of the first generation that women started working outside the home. And, but the women were still mainly responsible for everything that happened in the home. And I think to a certain extent that still is true for most women in our generation as well, is that we're doing everything inside and outside the home. Yeah. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Um, we just added more to our plate. Mm -hmm. And I think when we add more without taking time to rest and recharge, um, the, the resentments do absolutely build and, and you get to that point where you're just like, forget it. I'm going to quit my life <laughs> and disappear from the world. Yeah. And so there's, there's always a breaking point. There's always a point where the, the lid of the pressure cooker comes off eventually, you know, mm -hmm. and you see it, right? Whether it's the way we treat one another or the attitudes or, um, anger coming out in the most like sort of interesting situations where you're like why are you so angry like what is it about this situation that you're so angry and you kind of start to realize oh wait a second 
you're not angry about whatever's going on in this moment about like maybe having to wait in line. You're angry because you had to bake breakfast this morning and cook all the lunches and you don't have anything for dinner and you have to go to the grocery store and your husband's gone at 6am and the school called again. And you know, like that's, it's, it's everything that's people are balancing, you know, mm-hmm. the stress and strain of, of modern living. I know one of the things that I had read recently was like Gen X, Generation X, men are doing more than their dads did. So more than the baby boomers and above. So they're doing more as um, spouses, um, but families and individuals and and people who don't have kids but maybe have are in a partnership so singles basically everybody is doing more so gen x women gen y women millennial women are doing more and their partners are doing more but everybody but but we're 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 basically um uh where the where the baby boomer women did everything and had sort of somewhat more traditional marriages. Um, now it's more balanced, but we're doing more. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I read that, I was sort of like, yeah, that makes sense. Like my, my mom worked outside of the home, but she still did everything at home, you know? Um, and we weren't as busy. Like we didn't have all the extracurriculars and stuff. And our school days were, we were kind of at school and then we were sort of home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know some kids were expected to do chores and stuff, but, um, we didn't really have a lot of that kind of stuff. We didn't live on acreage or a farm or anything, but I know some of our friends did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, it's quite funny. Like I grew up, my biological mother passed away when I was very young. So I grew up with my dad as a single parent household. So I basically during school holidays used to get paid to keep house. So I, I, I was responsible for all of the housework. I was responsible, like dad cooked, but he taught me how to cook. And then like we'd split meals and things like that. So I like, and did that start quite young Eve? Like, were you quite young? Yeah, I was probably 10 or so. Yeah. And you're learning how to cook and how to do the laundry yeah. and everything. Wow. But so- I think like my dad needed the help cause like he, he worked so he was gone at eight o'clock in the morning. He wasn't back till six. We didn't get dinner until seven, half seven. And, you know, because he was a single parent, like, so he, he did need the help. And it's, you know, it taught me a lot. Like I would, if I ever did, if I ever did have kids, then I would do the same with them and teach them. Cause I think so many teenagers, can't do their own washing, can't cook themselves a meal, can't, you know, don't know how to, you know, hoover properly or what have you, you know, they they don't know, like, it's that sort of, and I find, I think it's more difficult for them to transition from mum does everything to, oh, wait, now I have to do some stuff as well. I don't particularly want you to, don't find me. I've noticed that with people that I know, like they're still in their late thirties, early forties, struggling with that, struggling with like keeping home. I don't know if you see that, Katrina, in mm-hmm. people that you know. Yeah. No, I definitely see that in some of the people that I know, where they were never brought up to do any of that stuff. Like they don't know how I to cook. I started making. Yeah, no one cooks. No one, you know, and like I brought, I was brought up in a household that every Sunday we spend the day cooking for the week and we do huge batches of stuff. And I was one of four kids and my parents ran their own business and they ran their business from home and they worked long hours Mm -hmm. and everybody pitched in, everybody had responsibilities. And like I started cooking and, and stuff when I was like, I think the first time I made apple pie by myself, I was seven. Yeah. Ditto. I was eight. Yeah. And so those are the sorts of things that like, I mean, my, my kids are in the kitchen with me and, and they help with things. They don't do as much as I did as a kid. And I think part of that is just because I have so many things on my plate, taking the time to slow down to get them more involved is hard sometimes. Yeah. It's like a conscious choice that you have to make, right? Like Mm -hmm. to say, I'm going to take this time. I'm not going to resent it. 
um, or get annoyed. I was telling Eve this morning um, <coughs> that uh, I, this morning, so James has been asking, asking, asking to learn how to make breakfast scramble. Mm -hmm. It's his favorite thing. And he knows that he can't really do like waffles on his own. He can't really do pancakes yet on his own. We're getting there, but not quite. So I told him I, I would teach him how to do breakfast scramble. But like I was saying to Eve, I had to um, go over using the stove with him a couple of times. Like, you know, this is how you can use it safely. If you can't listen and focus and do this properly, like you're not going to be able to do this. And he was just over the moon. You know, mm -hmm. and just taking that time, slowing down, trying not to be annoyed when he, you know, made a mistake. It's hard. Mm -hmm. But I think, like, for me as a teenager, like, I was always taught to think, I find a lot of teenagers these days quite self-absorbed. I wonder if that's like, partially social media. People in general are so, so very self-absorbed. <laughs> it's like, next door came in, and she was like, Alfie cooked me dinner tonight. Alfie's the youngest, he's 17. Um, and she was like, yeah, Alfie cooked me dinner and it was great. But she basically now, her the rule in her house is you feed yourself. Because the kids are older? Yeah. yeah. They're 17 and 21. They're old enough to work a cooker and, you know, not burn themselves. And Yeah. But it's it's nice that he thought, rather than just feeding himself, he thought of her and fed her too. Yeah. I tend to find that a lot of teenagers that I've met wouldn't have thought that. They'd just think, oh, I want a sandwich. They wouldn't think, would you like one as well? They would just think, I want a sandwich, I'm going to make a sandwich, and me, me, me. Mm. Um, but I don't know, because, I mean, I was in care, so my, my upbringing's quite different to the usual kind of mom and dad and mom does everything and you know so it's probably given you a, a, a quite a different perspective oh yeah definitely like I was 15 when I got taken into care so I was kind of old enough to kind of know what was going on and and like I wanted it like I wanted out of my dad's house because it was just unsalvageable by that point so it was just things that a lot of like normal kids with normal backgrounds don't have to think about. Yeah. Um, whereas I was kind of like, if I didn't cook myself for dinner, I didn't eat. So, you know, I always had yeah. to kind of like take the initiative to actually think, right, okay, we need to think about food. We need to think about clean clothes. We need to think about, you know, this sort of, this that and the other in it like is the washing done has, has the bin been emptied you know like normal day-to-day -day stuff are there groceries are, yeah uh, is there food in the house you know yeah that but totally makes your sense. average 15 year old doesn't really have to think about it. i mean i know there's child carers and things like that and you know they have to think about this sort of thing but your average kind of 15 year old just thinks oh you know I'm gonna mom's gonna make dinner and we'll sit down and we'll have family time and we'll watch tv and I'll chat to my friends online and blah 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 like they're not thinking like it just doesn't cross their mind that there might not be food in the fridge you know I think that's something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about with COVID because um our next door neighbor he's um um well, he works for RCMP, which is our national police, but um, he, just because of the unit that he's part of, um, of course, they get called for a lot of, like, domestics and a lot of um, um, drugging, it's drugging gang unit, basically, and so he's mentioned quite a bit, like, there's a lot of kids right now and young people who are at home in really unsafe situations, and it's the food insecurity, you know, there's no food in the house, there's no money for food, there's no way to get food. Um, and, uh, you know, what I, I, you know, I just take it for granted that I can cook whatever the kids want for lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like James didn't even question this morning, whether there were ingredients for breakfast scramble. <laughs> they're, they're just there, you know? Yeah. Something that I spent a lot of time thinking about. It's transitioning from food magically appears in the fridge to kind of understanding that you have to actually physically go to the shop and buy the food and decide which food you want and what ingredients are going to make what meals and meal planning and meal prep and things like that you know budgeting for it 
Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. Yeah. But I, um, I don't know about budget. I mean, I, if I, I now shop online, I do my grocery shopping online. We have something called click and collect. Yeah, we do so too. So, right. Okay. So I'll do a click and collect order because if I walk physically into a supermarket, I'll be like, well, that looks nice. And that looks good. And this looks nice. And 50 quid later for one week shopping for one person, which is just ridiculous. You know? Yeah. Um, it's easier for me to go, right, I need this food, I need that food, and I'm not tempted by all the special offers and buy one, get one freeze and, and what have you. Like, and all the junk food. Because, I mean, like, I'm quite funny about food. Maybe it's left over from, like, childhood or whatever, but I'm a bit funny about food. Like, if it's in front of me, I want it. That's survival. That's evolution. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He who eats the most survives and passes on their genes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true, right? Yeah. The people that didn't eat enough didn't pass on their genes. They didn't they didn't survive. Evolutionarily, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what else have you guys been doing to kind of look after yourselves in this time? Is there anything, Katrina, that be you know, you got that time away and you've been sort of doing that. Did you get any spinning done while you were gone? I did. I did a bunch of spinning and um, knitting and yeah, I just, I crafted the whole time that I, I was at the place. I did some hikes and stuff just to get outside. Um, was it super hot? You know what? I went super early in the morning. And it wasn't that bad. Oh, good. Yeah. I'd, I'd get up and well, and, and I, from where I was, it was only an hour to get into Manning Park. And so I went into Manning Park a couple of times and so there's like I mean you're in the mountains and it's a lot cooler in there but even even for like I mean I was I was hiking by seven or eight o'clock in the morning and so I was done by you know 11 yeah and so um, I think those are the things that that we've done as a family is to continue to get outside and to spend that time walking or going for a bike ride or even just like getting the kids to go outside and play in the backyard. Um, I think it's so easy when everything's shut down to sort of just hibernate at home and stay inside and, and not want to, to go outside into the world. Yeah. And so we've definitely been, been trying to still get the kids out and go hiking and, and do things outside so that, um, it sort of breaks up the monotony of being at home all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Know? And out of the four walls. Yeah. Out of the four walls. And... To force myself out of the house. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think um, like as things here have started opening up more, like I remember when the pandemic started and going into the grocery stores, you could, you just had this like sense that everybody was scared and there was this overwhelming fear and anxiety within the consciousness that everybody was panicked. And now it's almost the complete opposite that everybody's just so done with it that they're not thinking about anything anymore. And they're being quite cavalier. Yeah. And so I think there's got to be a balance somewhere in there where people are still being conscious and conscientious about what's going on but with a little bit more freedom to it. And um, so for us, like, I mean, we're choosing to, we've got a couple of things lined up, but they're all um, either things with family or camping trips where we know that we can sort of be self-sufficient and, and still be outside, but be on our own. And so those are the things that we're sort of looking at in terms of um, how to best manage living through this pandemic and getting to the other side of it in one piece. Yeah, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat. And we're uh, like, we're leaving on Monday and we're going to have a week off grid. Um, and our original plan was to be gone for 21 days. Mm -hmm. And we're condensing our 
no, 23 days, sorry. We're condensing our three and a bit week trip to nine days because Mike couldn't get the time off because it's been just absolutely insane at work for him. And um, Mike's like, we're still doing our original trip that we were doing in three weeks. We're just doing it in nine days. I was like, okay, so I'll pack a lot of knitting because we're doing a ton of driving. But part of the reason why he wants to do it is because we were going so far rural. Like he's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's the best option for us to be like, we'll be self-sufficient. Um, we, we won't need to, we'll probably have to go to a grocery store once, but that'll be it. And he's mm -hmm. like, he's like, I don't want to, he's like, I just don't want to go to some of the places that are going to be overrun with people. Like, he's mm -hmm. like, why, why put them and us at risk? Let's, let's go to, and do our rural trip that we were originally going to do. Like we, you know, we've got solar on the trailer. We've got big tanks. He's like, we'll take in water. We don't, we don't need to um, go into those communities and be in that community and bringing our, um, and exposing anybody. We can just go rural, mm -hmm. get that time off grid that we need. And then, you know, Reset. I think everyone has to unplug just, you know, for if you like, I, most of my socializing is done online, right? With the exception of Guild and Knit Night, like I don't socialize in person. Like most of my friends are American. Um, I, I spend a lot of time on Zoom. And even then there are just days where I'm like, hey, I'm not going to see you this weekend. I'm going to stick my nose in a book, turn my phone on silent and just ignore everybody for a few days because I just need to like unplug and if that's me and I don't work and I don't have kids and I don't have a partner and you know I don't have all these demands on my time and I feel that if I need to unplug then people who do have the demands on their time and you Rachel you've got quite a demanding job well both of them yeah um you know both jobs and and Katrina I don't know like how demanding crafty jacks is but i can imagine there's a lot of people that you need to deal with and it's definitely been busy there's been which lots going on which is good yeah i'm, but I'm it, but it, is all, it is all consuming like you mm -hmm. know because you know running a small business in today's world is not easy no you know like it's just a fact you know yeah regardless of which industry you're in no. And also Being, your industry is that if you don't make the items, like you make what you sell. Like if you don't make it, you can't sell it. So there's like time at the drum carder and time at the dye pots. And that's quite physically demanding as well. Like from the little dyeing I've done, like I know it's quite physically demanding. Mm -hmm. I don't think you could do it, Katrina, if you weren't as physically strong as you are. Cause no, I don't, amount, I don't think I could. Because of the amount, like you're, you're really strong. Yeah. Yeah. From all no, your body I, and stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think physically I could do what I'm doing if I wasn't as strong as I, I was going into it. Yeah, and, and gotten stronger from doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's it it is incredibly demanding, and like I mean, I know some indie dyers that do a lot more than I do in a day, yeah. and I sometimes cringe and go like. I can't do that and think, you know, it's, it's not enough, but it's like, there's a balance for me between um, providing good quality product and not killing myself to do it. Yeah. And it's got to be sustainable. It, it has to be sustainable. And, you know, like the stuff that we card, um, I dye all of that fiber as well, or 90, Five percent of it. Um, there's very little of it that I get sourced elsewhere, and so all of that stuff has to be dyed, as well as the stuff that I put out for sale. And so it is. It is a lot of time and energy, and and it is demanding. And so that time to unplug and be away from it is really, really important. Yeah. Um, and for me, a big part of that is being outside and being able to go for for hikes or walks we have tons of dikes and things like that around here that are close and and that provide us with um safe places to walk that are you know even if they're busy there's enough space that nobody's in in each other's space yeah mm -hmm. 
we live so in such an awesome part of the world <laughs> like i live quite rural i live in a little mining village and there are like walks and things but the pathways are quite narrow and like you have to sort of like not quite rub shoulders as you walk past someone but not not far off it so like i've been avoiding the usual dog walks at the moment because they're just so busy like everyone has suddenly decided they're going to go out for a walk and it used to be like I, there's a little car park in the main walk it's like five minutes away from the house but it means that i don't have to put two of the dogs on the lead i can just let them out of the car and they just go and i only keep gizmo on a lead because he's so vicious because <laughs> he bites people and dogs he's not fussy um like he just bit me so <laughs> but um like i've been avoiding that just purely because like i would be the only person in the car park and suddenly you can't get in the car park and people are parking on the verge and it it's just ridiculous how busy the place has got since covid yeah mm -hmm. um so I've been sort of like, I'll take them down the beach because it's a wider space. And yes, there's people there, but you can easily like get your own space and get your own little area and, and things like that. And like, I grew up on the coast and I lived inland for eight years and just being back on the coast again is just it's like the beach is my happy place. Mm. <laughs> so it's nice to get down there and the dogs enjoy it and they get a good run and um, I tend to go with my neighbour and good friend, um, so we get a bit of time together because she's got quite a demanding job as well. Um, <coughs> like she's got quite a demanding. She's a family support worker, so she can step down from the social worker. Hang on a sec. <laughs> I love dogs. <laughs> I miss them so much. Uh, I keep asking Mike and he's like, nope. He won't take even talk mine. about it. Take them. Just take them. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take one. <laughs> you take Gizmo. <laughs> Perfect. You're joking around. Like, his I have, dogs have house names because I talk to my dogs a lot. Like, they have house names so that when I'm out and I call them by their actual name, they still respond and, and come back. So it's uh, Gizmo's name in the house is Sid, after Sid Vicious. Because he is vicious. Because <laughs> he is. Um, yeah. Like I have to put, if anyone comes in the house, I have to put him away because he bites them. Like yeah. he's just, but he's been here, it's been just over four months now. So hopefully he'll calm down soon. And the problem is, is that because I got him from a rescue, and they do have follow-up care and they do have a dog trainer who usually would come out and work with us. But because of COVID, they're not allowed in the house and I'm not allowed to take him down there. So we're sort of communicating by email at the moment. It's too bad um, you can't get on like Zoom or something. Yeah, I think she's just busy. Like she's gone down part-time. She's sort of part furloughed and, you know, just she's got so much on. Like they've got 24 odd dogs in there that she's got to deal with. Um, and you know, she's just got a lot on in. Like I knew Gizmo was a swine when I took him on because that was my, that was my reasoning was to go and get the dog that nobody else wanted. Like the old dog that nobody wanted because they were old or Gizmo because he's a vicious little brute. Um, you know, he's, he's generally fine. And if he does bite you, like he doesn't draw blood on me. So, it's more noise and bluster than anything else. Like he's not truly and mouthing, sad. mouthing, right? Yeah, it's like hard mouthing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but my friend, she came over next door um, because I had some MDF left over from when I cladded the studio with the shed come studio. And she was like, oh, I need a bit of wood. And I was like, well, I got the stuff in the shed. It's been sat there for two years. You may as well make use of it because I'm pure, clearly not. And um, she came over with her friend and, and uh, he got bitten the minute he walked in the door. <laughs> I, was just, uh, I was like, watch out for the, oh, too late. Never mind. <laughs> so I have a question for you guys before we um, wrap up. Um, what do you think, how can I word it? What do you think would be like your top three tips 
for like getting that res restoration that you need sometimes when life is busy and you're feeling burned out and you're feeling a bit resentful, what would be like the top three things that you think help? Mm. For me, it's disconnecting from all social media. So going off grid? Like, just going off grid. For a day, um, an hour, like what do you think? If I really need it, I'll disconnect for a full day or even two. Um, you know, don't check my email. Don't, don't check social media. Just go off grid. Um, getting outside is another big part for me. Um, even if it's just, you know, a half hour walk through one of the local trails, just being outside and um, sleep. <laughs> oh, sleep. Oh, sleep. Precious, precious sleep that I don't seem to get enough of, but. Well, you're such a night owl too. Mm -hmm. You are such a night owl. Yeah. I am. I love it. When I work nights, it's great because I can text you at two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not but it's not good for your health. No, it's not good for my health. <laughs> I read this really funny thing. It was about sleep. Um, so on that subject of, of not getting enough, uh, it was just really funny. It was a meme somewhere on Instagram. It was one of those things where you're, it was, it's somebody that I follow and he's, uh, it was, it was quite funny. He's like, um, there, you know, most people don't get enough sleep. Um, and it was basically like, there's a reason why we evolved to need sleep. Like there's a reason why we waste quote unquote, um, eight hours a day sleeping like there's really important things that happen like there's a reason why we evolved that way and it kind of reframed it for me I was like oh okay like it's okay to make sleep a priority we're not wasting quote-unquote time when we're sleeping and it yeah. sort of you know it, like there's a reason why aren't we evolved to need so much sleep mm -hmm. you know yeah I was like okay I won't be resentful of the time that I quote unquote waste sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and how good do you feel after a good night's sleep? You feel so much better. And yeah. so I have been trying really, really hard to make it more of a priority this week. I've been terrible about it, but we were just away. Yes. And you catch up is always fallout. hard. Well, and you yep. know, when you're coming back that there will be fallout. Yep. So what are your top three tips, Eve? Um, it's a bit different for me because my life is quite sedate. So yeah. I, I don't have the, the sort of pressing need to kind of run away and recharge because I, I don't work. I don't have kids, you know, like there are no real demands on my time. But for me, like if I'm stressed and I need to get away, honestly, I just go for a ride. Like my happy place is in a saddle on the back yeah. of a horse. Yeah, I knew you would say that. Yeah. Um, and just being out with the dogs and, and a book, just stick my nose in a book and just kind of, because I'm, I've got quite an imagination. So like, I can really get into a book and really get into a story and just completely escape into a different world. Um, I like my fantasy world. So like, I'm a Harry Potter fanatic. I love Harry Potter. And I read a lot of fan fiction um and just kind of like I like scrolling through fan like the fan fiction website and finding stories that people have written about like Harry Potter characters or um there's a book series I absolutely loved when I was a kid and I've been reading fan fiction about that book those book series as well don't bite me um so yeah just like get out with the dogs get out on a horse or read but um, I mean it's a little bit different now like because I started disabled makers on Instagram and we do a lot of disabled advocacy and I find myself needing to get away from that because like life for disabled people like the accommodations that need to be made and pushing for like um Oh, my brain's gone like um, accessibility and you know things like that and like this whole thing with Ravelry at the moment 
um, has, has sort of taken up a lot of time. Like a lot of people are shouting about Ravelry mainly because it's a lot of disabled people who can't use the site now, but they're the people who tend to rely on the site the most because they can't get out of the house. So a lot of their socializing is done through groups on Ravelry, which they now no longer have access to. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. so, so, but I mean, I, I took six months off. I literally went, because we co-founded it. There's three of us that run it. And um, I just sort I'll, of- I'll link the, um, the account on the post for this uh, okay. episode so that people can find it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we do a lot of like um, Black Lives Matter stuff as well. Like we, we are primarily disability advocates, but we, um, but it's like highlighting people who make and use making as a form of escapism yeah from like being like because that's why i got into crafting in the first place is because i was stuck in the house and bored you know i went from a physically like I, I was a bar manager so i worked physically demanding job i had horses i had dogs like i was always on the go and then suddenly i'm not so that that's why i turned to crafting in the first place and a lot of people are the same which is why sort of disabled makers came about but knowing that sorry this has turned into a bit of a political rant um like knowing that accessibility is still an afterthought for a lot of disabled people is it's it's really depressing it kind of like enforces the uh the general opinion that disabled people don't matter and and that gets a bit much and, and that sort of screws in my head a little bit so i have to take time away from dm um just to sort of remind myself that actually there are good people in the world and you know the bad make the headlines so to speak like it's the bad people that make the most impact mm. but they are few and far between yeah does that make sense? Mm -hmm. does that come out in coherent yeah. form yeah, yeah that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah so and it's important to recognize that you need a break sometimes from some of that, like from, from moderating a, a, an Instagram feed like that. That's, that's very intense. Mm. Like Anna's been fantastic, but then she's a, a, a disability advocate. That's what she does. She's an activist. Um, so this is more her, her domain than it is mine I said I wanted to start DM to start a, an Instagram community because I'm 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 community based like I just want people to have a space where they can find like-minded people who understand that you know they may not be able to leave the house and they may not be able to hold down a job and they may not be able to date or you know just what like able-bodied people take for granted and not have to explain yourself all the time. Yeah, exactly. Like knowing, it's just that knowing that, that complete comprehension because you've lived it yourself or you are living it yourself. Yeah. So, so I tend to do comments and messages and things like that. And Anna does the, um, the, the advocacy posts that we put up and things like that. And like the real kind of deep, deep stuff that we do is is more Anna whereas I'll respond to the messages and I'll like chat to people because that's what I'm into and moderate a little bit I'm sure you have to moderate a little bit no actually there's never oh, really been any issues like there's never like we don't have any problems with nasty comments we don't have to pull people up like it's all just it's never really been anything like that it's been that's awesome it's, like we're a year old now over a year old now i think we started last april um and it like like i said i've had six months off i literally just walked away because i was like my depression because i have depression um and my depression was just basically kicking my backside um purely because i was like disabled people don't matter and no one cares about us and we're all unloved and blah and, and I just needed to walk away from that for a few months just to sort of screw my head back together. Um, so I've only really just started going, like I've been keeping up with DM, but I just haven't really been posting and I haven't been commenting and I haven't been present. Um, so, but it's it's sort of, I'm now in a headspace where I can get back to it. And, um, 
like I said, the main point we've been making at the moment is Ravelry. Yeah. Um, because it's primi primarily disabled people who have had the, the fallout from Ravelry. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's been interesting. I've got a friend of mine who's setting up an alternative website and Louise Tilbrook, have you heard of Louise Tilbrook? Yeah. Yep. She set up another uh, another forum. Um, she took her Facebook group off of Facebook and set up like a, a separate group. So is it um, going to be like a, like an alternative Ravelry kind of thing with a new name yeah. and a new platform? And yeah. So there are yeah. alternatives, and I think it's a good thing because Ravelry has had the monopoly for so long. Like. If you want a pattern, you go to Ravelry. If you want to know what a designer's aesthetic is like, you go to Ravelry. If you want to know how other people have found that pattern to knit, you go to Ravelry. Like there is nowhere else. Yeah, like, Ravelry's kind of become like this synonymous with knitting. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like it's it's been a bit weird because we're all kind of left there going. Uh, what do we do now? <laughs> like, where do we go from here? What what happens next? Yeah. Um, and in the middle of COVID, on top of everything else, it's just really bad timing. So, yeah. No, that's that's good. I think Sorry. we will leave it there for today. Thank you, because I'm cognizant, Katrina. I know you've got to get back to your dye pots. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you're dying today. Uh, no, I'm rinsing and, and cleaning today, so. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much to both of you, and thank you for being here and for spending some time and chatting, and I just really appreciate it, so thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's fun. Good, good. Well, let's do it again, um, maybe in, in the fall. That would be awesome. Sounds good. Okay, guys, take good care. I can hear the kids outside, so I'm going to say goodbye. And I will touch base with you, Eve, um, in the next couple of days. Um, we'll uh, get together again. Yep, yeah, awesome. Perfect. Thanks, you guys. See you soon. Bye. Restore and knit.